are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. I wonder, sweet wife, I wonder what would happen if you need to, and by the way, some of you wives don't need to do this, but I wonder what happened if you would look at your husband today and say, could you give me one more opportunity to work this thing out? Will you please tell me what you're looking for in a wife and mother? We're married. Could, could you help me with that, Ralph, or whatever his name might be? By the way, some of you dear ladies, you're married and you're a good wife and you're, you're a good mother and, and your husband, for lack of a better word, he's acting like a jerk. So I don't want you to leave here depressed how bad you are. But you want to come to the end of the journey and if you're not what you're supposed to be, you want to get to the end of your journey and say, if I would just put a little bit more effort into that marriage, if I just put a little bit more love and prayer and submission into that marriage, maybe I could have salvaged that marriage. Sir, maybe it's you today. Maybe... Maybe today you ought to say to your wife, I've been a fool. I'm so wrong. I've been narcissistic. I've been egotistical. I'm hard to get along with. I'm opinionated. I'm just always right. Some of you men ought to grow up. When we stop and think that our homes are literally falling apart and we would consider that half of the babies in America today are being born out of wedlock. Something's wrong. And it always goes because society is built on the home. The home must be strong. And the church is built on the home. It isn't an amazing government doesn't want us to have a church because we're non-essential. And I say again, and who knows when we're going to be taken down on the internet, but I say again, the church is the most essential. We're more important than a barber shop, and I tell you what, many of us need a haircut. I'm looking pretty good, quite frankly. I, I go undercover where I go to a barber shop. That's online. He's going to come put a gun to my head and ask me where. I'm not telling you. Man, when you got a crop like this, you got to get it cut once in a while. That hurt right there. Why'd you? Okay, 20 more minutes. I'm preaching on that. <laughs> the church is essential. It is the fiber of this country. It's the foundation of this country, the church, the home. And both need to be solid. I want to speak to us today, and whether you're a husband or a father, or one day you will be a husband or a father, or whether you're a, a, a widower and you're by yourself and you're not gonna get remarried, or whether you've raised the kids, or whether, I don't know what it is, but all of us need to be involved in building in the homes good, godly, strong men. I don't know, maybe you could go home and say to your husband, I wanna be a good wife, I wanna be a good son, I wanna be a good daughter, 
but, but dad, you're gonna have to lead us spiritually. We wanna go to church and we wanna go to church with you, honey. Dad, we wanna go with you. I wanna sit next to you in church. We sing that song, Precious Memories, and I tell you what, that dear old man, if he, and I, I don't mean old like an old, but dear elderly man, my father, if he were alive, he'd be 97 next month, he died at 94. And that sweet mother at 91 passed away. I tell you what, uh, the precious memories of sitting not very far from here next to my dad in church and then my mother and then the girls. Mother and dad never thought we should sit between them. My dad would say, one day kids, you're gonna leave us. I still wanna be sitting next to your mother. I wanna just say today, thank God for the home. And this Psalm, I wanna speak on this subject. Uh, fellas, it's to you. But we all are part of this. Step to the plate. Step to the plate. That used to be a very famous slogan in America. Step to the plate. In other words, you're on the, on, in the dugout. It's your turn. And dad, it's your turn. Right now, it's your turn. It's not your dad's turn. It's your turn, dad. Uh, you're next up, dad. Get in the batter's box. Do something with this at bat. Do something with it. I remember playing in high school fast pitch men's league. I got to play in the men's league. And I was so short. We'd play in Brett Hartfield up here in Hayward. Or we'd play in Castro Valley. We'd play in different cities around here on Friday nights, particularly in the men's league. And I was a teenager, and I wasn't very tall. I was really short. And I tell you, the, the pitcher's mound is 90 feet away, but in fast pitch, it's 60 feet away. And you had some men. I can remember playing against men from IBM. And he, I can remember one guy, Rodriguez, he'd wind up and throw underhand a fastball and that thing comes sailing there. I was scared to death. I could never, never I, I, if I got a hit, it would just, it would hurt my hands. It just, it was so fast. That ball was so hard. I was so worried to get hit by it. But I was so short, I'd squat down. And I'd squat down and you, you couldn't get a, I was a boy, they were a man, and there was just a few of us boys playing. I'd squat down and I, I got on every time. The Daily Review newspaper, it said, Trevor walked four times tonight. I, I always walked. But I got on base, I could run, but I could, I, was, I never got a hit. Oh, I like playing under the lights, it was so great. And when it's your time to do something, I knew my time was not to hit a home run, never could do that. I knew my time wasn't to get a double, I knew I wasn't gonna do that. I knew I wasn't gonna get hit by the ball. I'd run before I get hit by that ball. And they could throw curved balls coming right, I mean, you name it. But because I was so short, I was down here like this, and I tell you what, I walked every time. It was my turn at the plate. Fellas, it's your turn at the plate. God gives us Psalm 128. It's really a man's psalm. I never saw it that way before until I was reading and studying this week. It's a man's psalm. He's talking about a man with his wife. He's talking about a man with his children. It has to be a man's psalm. And I want you to see some things as we step to the plate today. When a man steps to the plate and men, it's time to understand you were created for what, number one, work. Look what the Bible says. Look what the Bible says. Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord that walketh in his ways. Now here it is. For thou shalt eat the, what's that next word? Labor of thine hands. Thou shalt eat the labor of thy hands. 
A man's task when he steps to the plate is to work. A man's job is to work and he begins to talk about his wife and his children because he is the one that is to be responsible for provision for the family. I'm not suggesting a wife cannot work. I'm not suggesting a wife doesn't. Some, some men in this church, your wife makes more money than you do. Don't be insecure with that. It's just, it's just the way it is. We always hear the opposite. Well, men make more than, I know a lot of ladies make more than men. One reason is they're smarter than men. Thank you, ladies. A few ladies raised their hand on that, but nonetheless. Man is created to work. God gave Adam a job to do, work. And he gave him a job to name the animals. And after the fall, he gave him a job in the garden. Man was to work. Second Thessalonians 3.10, if a man will not work, he should not eat. Hey, can you tell something to me right now? I don't know, I've not seen the news, I don't know at the protest, I think there's this thing in Seattle where they have captured a city within a city. How are those kids eating? I'll tell you how they're eating. Government is bringing truckloads of food into them. And government, you are wrong. Why don't we get back to the Bible? If a man will not work, he'll burn buildings. If a man will not work, he'll kill people in the zone. If a man will not work, he'll throw bricks through windows. If a man will not work, he'll loot. Listen, man was not created to be lazy, and man was not created to protest, and man was created to work. Man, I got this job, I come home at the end of the day, I'm tired. You're supposed to be tired. Work. And I wanna say God bless you men, and I think it's probably working out great for a lot of you. You get to work from home. That's wonderful, but be careful. Because most of us are not structured that we can work on our own at home. There's no schedule. And then husbands and wives begin to bicker because she said, can you watch the kids for the next 15 minutes while I run to the store and four hours later? And there's a fight ensues. And then you say, I'm working from at home and, and he sits down there and says, man, I'm hungry. And he goes to the refrigerator. And all of a sudden we're working from home and we're not working out, but we're working it all in and we're ballooning up. Enough of that. Man's created to work. It's a joy to work. America was built on work. America was built where men work, where women work, where mothers cared for the home and mothers cared for the garden and mothers cared for the clothing. Proverbs 31. Oh yes, there were Lydia's that were sellers of purple, a businesswoman. Oh yes, there was an Esther that saved the Jews as she worked. Oh yes, there was a Ruth and an Oprah and a, 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 a women in the Bible. Yes, there was a Mary that God said, your work is to carry the Son of God and raise him. Everybody has a work to do. Oh, but may I say here, the Bible says, thou shalt eat the labor of thy hands. You ought not to eat if you don't labor. I thought it was too. Because it's Bible. It's the word of God. You say, well, I, I, I just, I don't like working. Well, learn to like working. Work is fulfillment. 
Work helps manhood to accomplish what he is supposed to do with his life. I want you to see secondly as you step to the plate. So step to the plate to work. Step to the plate not only for work, but for your wife. The wife, thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine. Your wife, you know, sir, to have a good marriage, you need a wife that you can love and encourage and treat her, as the Bible says, as the weaker vessel, not the intelligently weaker vessel. You know the story that, and you know the, the biological makeup of man and woman, and a man thinks out of generally one side of his brain, and ladies can think out of both sides of their brain, and she can cook and clean, and she can answer the phone, and she can change a diaper all at the same time, and a man cannot even do one of those things right. I'm not suggesting a woman's inferior in any, in fact, it's just the opposite as we see how man is to care for his wife. But sir, you are the husband. Latin word, H-U-S, house, band. You band the house together. Quit giving the responsibility over to your wife that she has to do everything. You band that house together. You band it together spiritually, sir. You band it together socially. You band it, band it together financially. Take responsibility. Don't buy something if you can't pay for it. Amen. Pay your bills, sir. Yes, sir. Be responsible. You say, but I don't know how to run the money. She does. Well, then that's okay. But maybe she can help you learn, sir. Maybe you can become a man and take some responsibility and say, my wife has some needs. My Bible says in 1 Peter chapter number three that we're to dwell with her according to knowledge. Knowledge is the root word science. Science is to know. I'm to know my wife. I'm to know her needs. I'm to know her wants. I'm to know her ambition, her desire in life. My job is to figure out this woman. There's a brave man. He said, good luck, and you're laughing over here. These guys are gonna just take a few minutes and talk to us about women, everything they know about it. I'm writing a book right now. You've heard me tell you this many times. I'm writing a book, Everything I Know About Women is the title. I'm up to 583 pages so far, and they're all blank. If you think you can figure out a woman, I think a woman ought to write that book. I, I, I know you're gonna be thinking I'm a woman hater, but ladies, I don't know if you can figure your own self out half the time. And how are we supposed to figure that out? We're dumb enough as is. And then there's every 28 days biological changes going on and you're experiencing spring and summer and fall and winter. I just learned that we've been married so many years. I'm so thankful for marriage. Here, here's what I learned. I come home from the office and I just throw the hat in the door. If it doesn't come flying out, I come back on in the house. But if it comes out, I just sleep in the backyard every night. You ought to try it. You've done it. Uh, ladies, I'm not being rude to you. We're, 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 we, we are slow. 
We just think we have you figured out. And then lo and behold, you're somewhere else. We don't know how to do that. We don't know how to make that adjustment. We don't know how to figure out this is a bad day. This is not a, it's getting quiet in here now. I'm talking about the fact, ladies, would you please help us? Fellas, would you at least sort of put in your mind that this may not be the right time? Maybe uh, you come home from work and say, I gotta talk to Gazelda about this. I just gotta talk to her. And she's making the dinner, she's working around and say, hey, I've just gotta get this off my heart. Hey, Ralphie, no, you don't. Don't tell her at the wrong time. Hey, wife, I wanna tell you, I got fired today. Woo-hoo! That's probably not the best time. I'm very careful when we have prayer together at night, the last of the thing of the day and we pray, I'm very careful not to pray about things that are discouraging. That's not the time to go to bed discouraged. Oh, we pray for our country, we pray for our kids. Praise God, another grandbaby, Annalise Thompson, got saved last night. They're all in but three now, the 14 grandkids. Praise the Lord. That is wonderful. I want to say, ladies, we want to do it right. We need to do it right. Sir, you're going to have to go back home and say, I'm going to be a good husband to this lady. I'm going to be a good husband to her. I'm going to love her as Jesus loved the church. I don't always understand her. She may not understand herself at times, but my job is to love that woman. I can't imagine why, I can't imagine why my wife would ever choose me and marry me. I can't imagine why I would get someone like that, so good, so amazing. But I don't want to lose her. And I don't want to, I don't want to live by myself in life. And one day, God's going to take one of us before the other. I tell you what, I want every day as much as possible to be a good husband to her. Sir, in just a few moments, there'll be an invitation. I'm going to plead with men to come forward. Yesterday morning, Brother Martinez was in West Virginia. He was preaching the funeral burial service for John Godby. I preached it here on Tuesday morning. We had the memorial service. As exactly on this day, this day was Father's Day 39 years ago. We had 28 days left in the old building. On July 19th, 1981, we were going to move for two years into a tent. We thought it'd be a year, but it turned out to be two years exactly, 104 Sundays. I preached that day on Father's Day, and John Godby, who'd gotten saved in 1966, and he really truly knew the Lord, and his mother had passed away, and he turned to God. But it began to drift. Oh, was it a wicked, wicked womanizing and all that, what you think? He just was away from God. And he walked in our church on this date, 39 years ago. At his funeral, I pulled that message out. And in a brief 10-minute time, I preached that Sunday morning message last Tuesday that was maybe 35 minutes, 39 years ago, preaching about 10. And basically... John, it's time, I never called him by name, didn't even know. It's time to step to the plate. 
have time to be a good dad, walk with God. As far as I know, it was the only time in his life for 39 years I passed him, only time that I can ever remember him walking the aisle of this church. He walked forward and he said, Pastor, I wrote it in my diary. I put it in a book that I wrote. I said, Pastor, I'm coming forward today. I'm backsliding. I'm getting right with God. He sat right there. For 39 years, he sat in the old building. He sat in the tent. He sat in the gymatorium. He sat in the first auditorium that we built. He sat in the next auditorium we built. He sat, he sat, uh, he sat in this building. He'd been in every single building for 39 years. Why? Because on this Father's Day, he got right with God. It's about time that some of those kids stop bothering our mother and bothering our dad and hassling them, causing them to go to bed weeping at night. Some are grown people and you've got your dad in another city or state breaking, you're breaking his heart, you're breaking your mother's heart. God have mercy on your sorry soul. Step to the plate with work. Step to the plate with your wife. Step to the plate with your whipper. I know you don't know this word. The whippersnappers. You ever hear that word? Ah, he's a little whippersnapper. They have that word in West Virginia. A whippersnapper is a young one. A child. I still hear sometimes in growing up, boy, he's a little whippersnapper, isn't he? And the Bible declares this, this man better pay attention to his children. Verse number three, thy wife shall be a fruitful vine on the sides of thy house. Thy children are like olive plants round about the table. Olive was, and olive oil was very sacred in Zion, in Jerusalem. And children are very, very sacred. Dad, I want you to know that you need to train the children and love the children. I've always said it, and I never knew. I thought it was original with me. But I read this week of Ronald Reagan. I've always said that you raise good kids from a dinner table. Every family ought to have dinner every night. We still have dinner now. It's just the two of us. But I recall those days with our children and every night a candle was lit. My wife, and you've heard it said before, I told you, she was big on not having the same color, like not mashed potatoes and then cauliflower and a piece of chicken that sort of matched the same color. Instead, there was green in the plate and there was maybe uh, uh, carrots in the plate and there was mashed potatoes, all the different colors. It was just beautiful. And there was a salad and there was candle going. I want you to know that we, we had some good Christian music always playing. Nowadays, we have KNBBC radio for God's people to listen to. It's normally dinner type music. It's even tight, it's calming. It's not keep on the firing line during dinner. We never allowed our children to argue at dinner. We never allowed, Tim would never have done this, he's a boy, but the girls sometimes tried. You know what Tim did at school today? You know how girls are. Thank you. You're going to pay for that remark. Maybe Tim would say, hey, Dad, you know what Tabitha did at school today? We, were, we didn't permit the kids to complain at lunch, at dinner. We all stayed. We didn't gobble it down. We stayed there at the table. 
When it was time to be dismissed, we'd say, okay, kids, and they'd get up, they'd take the plates to the kitchen and come back and thank their mother for the meal and then learn to pitch in. I always thought that saying that you raise good kids from a dinner table, I thought it was original with me. I just, it wasn't. Ronald Reagan said this. Our president said, all great change starts at the dinner table. Home needs to be a happy place. He said, I'm alone. Just me and my wife. Now the kids are, make it happy. Don't be a grump. You get older in life, you become sweet and kind or you become miserable complainer about everything. You don't have the job like you used to have. Now you got time to criticize everything and give my opinion on everything. Why don't you remember those days and Tabitha's in the nursery and Tim's out preaching and Tiffany's the pastor's wife, so they're all gone, not in the auditorium today. But I remember those days we had those candy sales. We'd go over here to what used to be the Lucky's grocery store. And our kids, as little kids, as little kids in elementary school, they'd, I, I had to correct them on it. They could tell when somebody, an old person, like 40 and above, and then all of a sudden it became 50 and above, and now it's 60 and above and beyond. But when an older person was coming, an older grandmother or grandfather was coming, they'd say, grump coming, sale coming. The kids would say, would you like to buy some chocolate? It's one for a dollar or two for two. They'd sell two. I I said, I I don't want you saying that anymore, kids. But they could tell. So I, I, I can remember only one illustration, but I can remember one lady. No, 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 no. I don't want anything. I can't even eat candy. I'm allergic to it. I can't eat that kind of stuff. Do you have a permit to be out here? Are you supposed to be out here? The store No, you're out here. And she went on and on and on. I thought, you old grump. This is a little tablet, I think, four years of age, not even in school, selling with their sister and brother. You old grump. Another little lady walked in. I'll never forget her. She was bent over and had a cane. And they said, would you like to buy a candy bar, one for a dollar or two for two dollars? And she said, oh, kids, I don't have any money for that right now, but, and I can't eat that stuff. I'm so sorry. And she said, but you know what? I'll go in the store. I'll buy one on the way out. On the way out, I think it was a $10 bill she had. She said, um, you mind if I got 10 of those things? That's how I one day want to get old. I'm not going to be a grump. Oh, these teenagers around here. Yeah, aren't they great? Hey, Amen. They were in youth conference this week, and it, wasn't, it, wasn't it great? My too low. I'm getting my. Wasn't it great that they were in youth conference and hearing preaching? And, and they said it was a virtual youth conference, 150 churches in the nation, countries around the world. And on top of that, watching the virtual youth conference, hearing preaching, and our kids say, wow, the preaching was great. They missed Great America this year. They missed another activity, the water park. They missed all these other things they normally do. They said, we love the preaching. Morning three preachers, night, two preachers. Hey, God did something. Thank God for those teenagers. These whippersnappers, they need to be trained. You train them at a dinner table, you train them at a fireplace, you train them in the living room, you train them in their bedrooms, you talk to them and you love them and you pray with them. I'm out of time. 
man needs to step to the plate with his work and a man needs to step to the plate with his wife and a man needs to step to the plate with his whippersnappers and a man needs to step with the place with his own personal worship of God. Verse number four. Behold, that thus shall the man be blessed that feareth the Lord. Look at verse number one. Blessed is, is everyone that feareth the Lord. Fear is the same word we find in Psalm 19 where it says it's a reverential trust. He's not the man upstairs. He's God. He's God Jehovah. He's in charge of it all. And my knee needs to bow to God and my heart needs to bow before God and say, God, I want to decrease and I want you, John 3.30, to increase. I need more of you and less of me. And so he said, I'm going to step to the plate. I'm going to fear God. I'm going to walk with God. We were talking before church. It's an amazing thing. David is writing this. And he's writing to some Solomon. Solomon then writes to his son Rehoboam. And he said, here the conclusion of the whole thing. A man needs to fear God. A man needs to have faith and trust and, and reverential uh, trust and awe of an almighty God. It's time, fellas, to step to the plate. It's just time. He said, well, I'm 15 years of age. Well, step to the plate. Learn to be a man. Learn to work. Watch your dad. By the grace of God, you have an example in the home. And that example in the home, you say, well, there's not an example. Then some uncle or a pastor or a youth pastor or a Sunday school teacher or someone that loves God, let a man in the church. I had a great father, but I had men in the church that were great examples to me and I can remember, I can name their names right now. I thought about this week, men that influenced my life because they said, hey Jack, come to the church and let's learn how to really cut the lawn right on Saturday and how to wash down the sidewalks and get ready for the house of God on Sunday. I'm talking about thank God for influence. Step to the plate. Fellas, it's your opportunity right now. Step to the plate, it's your duty right now. Step to the plate right now, it's your responsibility. It's your privilege, mine as well. It's our moment. Father's Day, if you're not saved, would you step to the plate and get saved? In a moment we'll stand and Pastor Cooper will conduct an invitation and we'll have soul winners here to lead you to Christ. Men will lead a man to Christ and a woman will lead a woman to Christ. If you're not saved, would you get saved? If you're here with your mother and dad, they're saved and you need to get saved like our sweet little granddaughter did last night. Would you come and get saved? Oh, I'll tell you that precious little video of her telling us she got born again. Saved, born again. Are you saved? If you're saved, your name's written in the book of life. And then could you step to the plate, male, female, son, daughter, parent. They said, I'm not going to waste this opportunity. I can remember when I was crouched down so short, I was five foot two, freshman year in high school. I was real short. And you know, I can remember it was 115 pounds and that ball was coming whistling in there. It came so fast. It went by and sometimes I swung. I realized, Jack, don't swing. It's hard to get that small location of a strike, strike zone when you crouch down so small. And I realized if I would take a foolish swing, I could generally get on base. But if I took a foolish swing, some of those swings were foolish. I must have looked really foolish 
the ball would come and, and all of a sudden I'd go and it was down here. Oh, I took some terrible swings. I'm not suggesting it was a great ball. I just took some terrible swings. I wasted some pitches that were balls. I know they were a ball. That was a ball all the way. Why did I swing at that? Why did I do that? And then all of us in life, why, why, did I, why did I fail my wife there? Why did I fail my kids there? Why have I failed the work of God there? Why have I dishonored your name, God? We've all swung at things we should not have swung at. And some of us have struck out. You know, in a ball game, you generally get three, sometimes four at-bats. So you struck out the first time. You're coming back up again. You're coming back up again. These professional sports. A man bats 250 in professional baseball. He'll probably stay on the team. 250 means he gets out three times for every four at bat. Nobody bats 500. Nobody bats 500. That means every other time you get on, nobody bats 500. Nobody bats 500. If you're batting 333, which would be exceptional, that's one out of every three times you get on base. That means two times you're going to get out. You know what life is? It's a lot of curveballs and sinkers. It's a lot of swinging at things you should never swing at. But you get back to the plate. And you say, husband, I'm so sorry. I want it to work. What I, and you know what? Your heart is prepared and he might say, no, nothing you can do. Well, just keep your heart tender. First Corinthians says that that love may just change the entire situation. And sir, you got your you got your foolish eyes focused on some other woman. When, you, you, when you've got a Cadillac in the garage, why would you go out with a Volkswagen? And you better wake up to the fact that God's already given you what you need. Well, I don't understand her. You're never gonna understand her because you're a man, we're dumb. So you should talk to us. I, I'm back clued it myself. We're, 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 we don't know those things. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.